This week on the Defense Scoop podcast from the Scoop News Group, the Pentagon's number two leader is planning some tech travel and a new innovation unit coming to DISA. It's Wednesday, August 17th, 2022. Welcome to the Defense Scoop podcast. Every week you'll learn what's going on in defense technology. I'm the host of the Defense Scoop podcast, Francis Rose. Here's what's happening now. The Deputy Secretary of Defense is going on a technology tour this week, and the department's pushing hard on its next generation of hypersonic missiles. John Harper's managing editor of Defense Scoop, Randy Vincent, a reporter for Defense Scoop. Folks, welcome. Thanks for joining me today. Brandy, I start with you. What is the goal that it looks like Secretary Hicks wants to achieve as she begins this tour? Welcome. Thank you so much for having us, Francis. Um, I think she's really going to focus on linking the department's resources um, around its strategic competition priorities. Uh, We've heard a lot about the critical technologies that the Defense Department is increasingly investing in um, as warfare Um, becomes more digital, becomes more in cyberspace. Um, A lot of the places that she's going uh, involve research and development and experimentation around emerging technologies. And so I think she's going to be really focusing on sort of those under the lens of China as the pacing threat. All right. The agenda looks kind of like this. Uh, Oak Ridge National Lab, uh, right pat to see the Air Force Research Laboratory, uh, Transcom, and then stopping at Purdue University. Uh, an interesting mix of places that she's headed, Brandy. What can we take away from that agenda? Absolutely. Um, really, it's all about the technology. The whole trip is is sort of based around different um, of those critical technologies that DOD is focusing on. So at Oak Ridge in Tennessee, there's going to be a big focus on American manufacturing uh, particularly amid the semiconductor and chip shortage, she's also going to see the unveiling, which this week is uh, the unveiling of the United States' first exascale supercomputer. So the next era of supercomputing, these supercomputers that can conduct a quintillion um, calculations per second. Um, So she's going to see that. And then talk to researchers about energy storage, material science, and other areas is um, in Ohio at uh, Wright-Patterson and the Air Force Research Lab. She's going to also talk about experimentation um, there. And then with Transportation Command, there's going to be a focus on um, sustainment requirements and sort of challenges uh, that the current fleet is facing to really modernize. Um, I'm hoping to see some sort of uh, look into experimentation with joint all domain, uh, all domain command and control, which is DOD's very ambitious um, next effort for next generation uh, command and control. And then at Purdue, she's not only touring their hypersonics advanced manufacturing technology center um, and meeting with faculty and students, but she's actually going to be giving a speech there and doing a QA. and a And um, a, a big focus there beyond hypersonics, which is really important in terms of next generation weapons, um, she, she's going to be really focused on workforce development and sort of helping develop that pipeline um, um, to prepare uh, sort of for what's coming with technology. Brandy, you're writing that uh, a senior defense official 
tells you we let our hypersonics capability sort of atrophy over time. Now we're trying to re-engage. That's why the workforce has to be re-engaged as well. John Harper, you're writing, as I mentioned, about hypersonics weapons testing, and you write the schedule for the next round of test flights for one weapon in particular is, quote, extremely aggressive. What's aggressive about this schedule and what's the weapon with which the Pentagon is taking an aggressive approach? Welcome. Thanks, Francis. Uh, well, the um, uh, Aero weapon system, uh, as it's called, uh, just passed a significant uh, milestone in its testing. It uh, last month completed uh, the uh, test series for the booster uh, of the weapon. And uh, now it's getting ready uh, here pretty soon to move into its next phase, uh, which is what officials call all up round testing. Uh, whereas the previous round was more focused on the booster that would get this weapon up to hypersonic speeds. Uh, this next round is uh, a, a bit more of a, a comprehensive test of the various components uh, of the weapon. And uh, a Lockheed official uh, who's involved in the program said that uh, the Air Force has a, an extremely aggressive schedule uh, on tap here. Uh, for this next phase, uh, because the aim is to have this uh, new capability ready uh, to meet early operational requirements next year. Um, so they want to put the system through its paces uh, to make sure that it works effectively and does what the Pentagon uh, wants it to be able to do if they do decide to, uh, to field this. You write the air-launched rapid response weapon, Arrow's boost glide system that relies on a rocket to propel the weapon to hypersonic speeds greater than Mach 5. The most recent test series was mainly focused on validating the performance of the booster. What comes next? Uh, the uh, next series um, is uh, going to focus on, you know, how well uh, the uh, other components uh, focus, particularly um, the... Uh, uh, the glide vehicle itself, uh, for example, uh, the glider performance, not just getting up to uh, that high speed, but seeing how well it can perform in, uh, you know, more sustained uh, flight. The way a boost glide system works is, you know, it uses a, a rocket essentially to get up to uh, uh, extremely high speeds, and then it kind of uh, glides, uh, you know, uh, based on that momentum. Um, so now that they've shown that, hey, the, the booster works, uh, you know, the way they uh, were hoping, you know, they have to make sure that, uh, you know, all the other performance characteristics that they're looking for uh, are up to par before they, the military would be comfortable, you know, deploying it with uh, and fielding it with units. And even if the military becomes comfortable, it's unclear whether that will happen. According to one uh, passage from your story, you write questions remain about the arrows future even if the all-up round testing is successful. And you cite Andrew Hunter talking about uh, not being for sure whether this is something that the service will pursue. He's the Assistant Secretary of the Air Force for Acquisition Technology and Logistics. Um, what does that mean overall for the scope of where the department is, the landscape of where the department is on hypersonics, John? Well, the Air Force hasn't made a final decision about what exactly is going to happen after this demonstration program for the Aero. This demonstration phase uh, wraps up. This was a uh, you know rapid prototyping program uh, that the Air Force had set up uh, to 
try to test out this uh, capability, but they're also looking at other technologies for hypersonic weapons, uh, namely uh, a uh, uh, scramjet technology that would function a little bit differently. It's you know more of a so-called air-breathing weapon um, that doesn't rely on a rocket to uh, achieve its uh, high speed uh, through sustained flight. Um, so they're moving forward on that effort as well. Uh, the uh, Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, better known as DARPA, uh, has also been exploring that technology and has had uh, some successful scramjet tests recently. So it'll be really interesting to see where the Air Force goes with this uh, and what they decide to do. Uh, you know, meanwhile, uh, you know, other services are also pursuing hypersonic technology. The Army has its long-range hypersonic weapon uh, that it's hoping to field next year, which is also a boost glide system. Uh, the Navy is uh, has its conventional prompt strike effort. Uh, they're hoping to start fielding that type of system uh, around 2025. So the Pentagon really has a, a variety of efforts here uh, for hypersonics, not putting all their eggs in one basket. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the road ahead hasn't been, uh, completely set yet. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, especially in the air force side, uh, where there seem to be, uh, some more questions, uh, at this point, you know, it'd be interesting to see how that plays out. John Harper, terrific reporting. What do you have uh, on the books in the week ahead? What will you be tracking? Uh, Lieutenant General Morrison, the uh, principal military advisor to the uh, Army Chief of Staff, uh, who focuses on uh, command control, control, communications, computer, cyber, and information technology, is going to be holding a roundtable later this week to give an update on what uh, his office is doing and his uh, top priority initiatives. Uh, and also Vice Admiral Kitchener, the commander of uh, Naval Surface Forces, uh, is expected to provide uh, an update on his uh, surface warfare competitive edge initiative uh, as the Navy, uh, you know, tries to uh, better align its workforce and operating concepts to accommodate new technologies that they're planning to bring into the force here in the coming years. Look forward to that reporting at uh, fedscoop.com and coming soon on defensescoop.com. Brandy, what's ahead for you this week? Um. Well, Francis, uh, I'm really looking forward to, like I said, traveling um, with Deputy Secretary Hicks uh, to these four states and reporting out um, as it happens, what she's seeing and, and observing there. Um, I also uh, have uh, some stories coming on DISA's new innovation arm and incubator DISA works. Uh, our listeners are probably pretty familiar with the Air Force's AFWorks and SpaceWorks, um, but DISA has quietly launched its own, and we've got uh, some new details coming on that as well. We'll learn more about that later in this program. Brandy Vincent, John Harper, thanks very much for joining me today. Thanks, Francis. Thanks, Francis. You can track those stories this week and see lots of other Defense Scoop stories at fedscoop.com. The Deputy National Security Advisor for Cyber and Emerging Technology, Ian Newberger, and the Director of DISA, Lieutenant General Robert Skinner, are two of the headliners for Defense Talks. It's happening September 15th at the Ritz-Carlton in Pentagon City. You can see the rest of the lineup and register through the link in today's show notes at defensescooppodcast.com. 
The Defense Information Systems Agency is standing up a new innovation unit to drive experimentation. Janelle Holders, Program Manager of DisaWorks. She tells Defense Group's Brandy Vincent about the mission of DisaWorks. So DisaWorks is a physical space. It's located in Columbia, Maryland. It was formed from a CRADA, Cooperative Research and Development Agreement, with a company called KBR. And we are based out of their one of their labs in Columbia, Maryland. But employees can also access it virtually. So we give them access to virtual machines and they can do testing um, remotely as well as using our the physical space. They can bring in vendor equipment. So it's a little easier to bring it into our space than all of the security stipulations that they have to go through to get it through the base, Fort Meade, because this is based out of Fort Meade, Maryland. Nice. Yeah, I was going to, that was perfect. I was going to say in your own words, what is DisaWorks? But you very, very clearly said it's like a virtual and physical lab. So tell me a little bit more. Um, I'm interested in that sort of credo with KBR, but really what is the roots of DisaWorks? How did it come to be and why? I know you guys had an event all the way back in May. So just let me know about its origin and sort of why it came to be. Yeah, so at DISA, um, when you're trying to bring new technology into the building, you have to get a lot of approvals. It takes a lot of time. And similar to what you've done, my supervisor, Mr. Rickard Barber, he's visited a lot of the other works facilities. We went to Softworks it's out at SOCOM in Florida, AFWorks. He went to the one in Vegas. And just to see how quickly they're able to spin up um, technologies and um, do some testing and get information in front of the warfighter or the customer was a huge benefit there. And so something that takes usually takes months, maybe we can get it down to weeks or days. You do the testing, you prove out whether the claims that the that the vendor has are these accurate. You know, in a space that you're comfortable with, you're not necessarily in their space solely and you know you can bring that to leadership quickly this is what we found during these tests let's make a decision do we move forward do we stop do we pivot so that's that's primarily why that came about so usually when you bring vendors or people that don't have the clearance to Fort Meade you have to do a visitor request it's a process um, so with this it's it's a space where we are comfortable with it's vetted you know you just don't have strangers walking in off the street <laughs> but you don't have to go through all the security channels that you would typically to get equipment into Fort Meade so that's why this was stood up and then the fact that this company does well with technology different technologies and bringing them to the warfighter we figure we can leverage some of their capabilities some of their knowledge and help us as government, maybe we may not to be keen on one thing versus another, and then both of us can learn and grow through the process. That's awesome. And so besides just that um, physical space, that lab that KBR has in Maryland, is it is the company also supporting the virtual lab too? Yes, as far as, so we purchased the actual equipment. So we have some Dell servers that are physically located in a server room at KBR. Um, and then we, Mindisa has system administrators that give the account access permissions. And then we work closely with KBR since they are 
physically located there. So if there are any questions, troubleshooting, maybe there's a power outage, you know, their techs can also get involved. But we also have, they have system administrators and we do as well. Nice. And um, the, would it be fair to say that um, DISA Works has been coming together since like the beginning of the year? Since like, like what would be like a good month to say when it sort of started coming together, like its inception? Well, actually, the cradle was signed in 2020, but nice. this is during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And so most of it was to get people together in a space that whole collaboration. So some of the momentum slowed down and then the supply chain mm-hmm. was really a factor <laughs> for us and getting the equipment delivered on time. So that kind of slowed things down. But yes, this year, um, early this year, we kind of revamped it up, got equipment in there. Uh, we had, like you said, the AI summit. So that's another portion of the lab. So we do have the lab with equipment as well as conference center. So where the AI summit was held was a room with chairs and tables and um, video cameras and such like that. And then we have smaller conference rooms. So if someone, maybe they're teleworking and they're not meant to be in the office, but they have to meet with a vendor, you know, they can leverage that conference center. Maybe they don't need a host 50 people. It could be two. So we there's a range between two and 50. We have three to four separate rooms. We also have cubicles for people to sit at. You know, if they're working on a project, they can VPN into DODNet and connect and work from there as well. Nice. Um, I want to get a little bit into the nitty gritty of actual uh, the platforms and stuff, if that's OK. So. Um, all DOD personnel with an interest in IT can access this, I read. So for those who hear this and are like, are interested, how do they get involved? In your own words, what's the process for sort of getting involved with DisaWorks for the components? Yeah, so they can contact me, Janelle Holder. Um, we have our email address listed, disa.works, at mail.mail. All the information is on our website, which they can get access to. Um, I don't believe I have my phone number there, but (laughs) email, I'm pretty responsive. And then my team is listed as well on our webpage. Um, So it's myself, then have an alternate PM, Jean Cherie, uh, Jim Ford is a lead engineer, and Herman Mallory is also a system administrator that works with us and helps us throughout the process. Some, I'm always interested in sort of talking about what is like special or new or unique. And so I know that we mentioned Softworks, Spaceworks, Afworks, um, but I haven't heard of like a works component of an agency that's also opening up for all of DOD. So I was just wondering if that's unique and besides that sort of what are some of the unique things that DisaWorks um, provides and also kind of represents? Yeah, so that in itself, so it's unique to the DOD. We also um, want to engage academia more um, as well as, you know, different nonprofits. And as we said, the, the public private sector, you know, a place where we can all get together and collaborate, communicate, share, grow. We also, the plan too was to host the TEMS. So TEMS are technical exchange meetings. Those are, I actually, you asked what I did before. I used to be the PM for the TEMS, technical exchange meetings. So with these meetings, we host them weekly. 
and we give vendors one hour to provide an overview of their company, an overview of a product or products, give a demo and answer questions. So prior to COVID, they were held in Virginia in a contractor facility. And during COVID, they've been held, we used to hold them on CVR and now Teams, and they're going pretty well. So with DisaWorks 2, that was also a space where we plan to host them in person. So just getting people more comfortable with coming in, communicate with each other, whiteboarding ideas, putting up sticky notes, you know, just having those brainstorming sessions. That was the purpose of it. Um, and getting folks to be okay with thinking outside of the box. We also have a young lady. Her name is Jasmine Washington. She came up with an idea for a cyber competition um, for DISA employees. And that's something, too, that we want to host out of DISA work. So it'll be like an escape room and folks can access it virtually and in person, get teams together, you know, trying to make it fun. So one thing that you may know is some people may be trained for a certain skill set, but then when they land their job, they don't actually get to, <laughs> to do exactly what they thought they were going to do or trained to do. So this will be for the folks that are, are cyber, have those cybersecurity skills, but can't, haven't touched it in a while, kind of like a refresher or people that want to learn more about cyber, they can come to an event like this. And again, we're open to new ideas, any suggestions that people have, they can, they can come to us. Um, we're, and again, those people, the vendors that presented in a TEM, so say we have participants that are very interested in what was presented to them, they can leverage DisWorks to test it out. So maybe they get a six month trial license for, particular tool instead of doing it maybe they don't feel comfortable doing it on their own pc they can use our equipment and test out the capabilities that the vendors provide janelle holder the program manager of disa works with defense scoops brandy vincent you can read more about disa works in today's show notes at defense scooppodcast.com the defense scoop podcast is available on all the podcast platforms if you don't want to miss a show you can subscribe and get the show every week on apple podcasts google podcasts or wherever else you get your shows and on any device you get your shows and if you really like the defense scoop podcast leave us a five-star rating and a review it'll help more people find the show the Defense Scoop podcast is a production of the Scoop News Group in Washington, D.C. James Mahoney and Carlin Fisher help me put the show together every week, and the entire Scoop News Group team contributes. The Defense Scoop podcast returns next Wednesday. I'm Francis Rose. I'll talk to you then. Thanks for listening.